We are on our last week on the subject, the permanence of salvation. We've covered many reasons. We have 12 to cover, and uh, we haven't gotten as far as we've wanted at this point, but I hope it's been a blessing to you to learn, to meditate on these things. And um, today being Student Sunday here at Northland for the area colleges, let me just say that I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 19 years old. I was in college. I was in art college at the time, and I was about halfway through, and I didn't even know I was searching. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, were you searching? I would say, no, I wasn't. But you know, what got me was when I heard what we call the gospel, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. It was like my world stood still, and I thought, now this is amazing because it was so different than anything I'd ever heard in my life before. And I listened carefully what the man said. And then when it came time to decide what I was going to do with what I heard, I said, well, you know, I'd just be a fool to turn that down. I'd be a fool to turn it down. And I trusted Christ as my savior and um, life has never been the same. And there's reasons for that because God does marvelous things in us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But let me say today, when it comes to life, after death, we need to be sure that what we believe is right. Now, can I say that again, friend? When it comes to life after death, we need to be sure that what we believe on that is right. You see, we know there's life after death because Jesus came back from the dead. You know, many times people say, well, how do you know there's life after death? Jesus came back from the dead. What more do you need? It's a proven fact. There's no question about it. It's absolutely proven. It's a, it's a legal truth. It's a historical truth. And if he, came, if he died, and he did, and if he came back from the dead, and he did, then there is life after death. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. That being true, this is something that should be a priority in our lives, and it's something certainly worth investigating. Because if there is life after death, and that's eternity, and that's forever, so then we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Now, God says there's two places. One is in suffering for all eternity, in what the Bible calls a place called hell, right? And the other is living with God for all eternity in heaven. Now, I know there are people who say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Now, let me just say this. I don't believe that, okay? Are you right Not you don't believe that. You see, whether we believe something or not is not the issue. The issue is, are you right in what you believe? That's the issue. Because you can believe something and be wrong. And how many of us have ever believed something and you were wrong? Yeah, yeah, all of us, right? So this is something you better be sure about. You better investigate. And what I'm here to tell you is that what God says about the issue of eternity is the absolute truth. The absolute truth. Now, in John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this. For God so loved the world, that's everyone, that he gave his only begotten son, that was Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him, the Bible says, should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay? God loves everyone. He gave his only begotten son. Jesus died in our place, paid for our sin. He was God in the flesh. He died and paid for our sins and rose from the grave. And it says this, two promises, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have you notice what it says? Everlasting life. Now you might say, well, that's it? 
I just believe that Jesus existed and I go to heaven? No, no. You can believe that Jesus was a historical figure, but are you trusting in him as your payment for your sin? Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. It's an illustration that helped me understand it. If this hand were to represent you and me and let my wallet here represent our sin, God says we've all done things wrong. The Bible calls those things sins. To miss the mark of God's perfection, we sin. All of us have sinned against God. I have, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Now, God says that because we've sinned, we've broken his laws, we've broken his standards, his commandments. God says there's a penalty that goes with that. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means that we would, if we were to pay for our own sin, we would have to die physically and then be separated from God eternally in torment. Now, God does not want that for anyone. As a matter of fact, he made it so simple for anyone to not go there and to live with him forever in heaven. But how does that happen? It's not just wishful thinking. You see, God demands that sin is paid for because God is a holy God. God demands that your sin is paid for because God is a holy God and he's no respecter of persons. So what is true for one is true for another. Now, heaven is a perfect place. And for us to get into heaven, we have to be sinless. And yet none of us are. We're sinners. We've already established that. And I think we would all agree with that. Only the most arrogant would disagree with such a thing. We all know we do things wrong. And by the way, that's why the world is the mess that it is today. So then what are we going to do? If heaven's a perfect place and I'm not, I can't go there. The only way I can go there is if my sins are taken away. Well, I've got a problem. I'm a sinner. And God says it has to be paid for. If I die without my sins being forgiven, I will spend eternity separated from God. That's a terrible thought. Now, religion comes around and says, okay, well, do good deeds. We'll get more to that in just a few minutes, by the way. Do good deeds, that'll take care of the sin. But yet, the Bible doesn't say that one time. Nowhere does the Bible say your good works will take away sin. Oh, may cover them up, may make us look better. Sort of like putting makeup on something. It can cover, it can hide something, but it doesn't take it away. So how are we going to get rid of our sin? Well, because there's nothing we could do, God sent his only begotten son into the world, this hand representing Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. He had no sin of his own. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin upon himself. He made the payment for our sin. He died and paid the debt that we deserve to pay. He did it. Three days later, came back from the dead. He's paid for all of your sin. For that to be good on your behalf, all you need to do is to trust in him that he made that payment for you and he will give you everlasting life. He died, was buried, came back from the dead. If you simply trust in him, he will give you everlasting life. When you trust in him, the payment he made is good on your behalf. If you reject the payment he made, you are still dead in your sins. You're not forgiven. God wants to forgive you. We need forgiveness, friend. And when you trust Christ, he says you will not perish, but you have everlasting life. He says he'll never lose you, he'll never cast you out. It's a gift. You can have it today. You can know before you ever get up today and walk out the door, you can know for sure you're going to heaven. No matter what, no matter what. All I need to do is trust in him. Yes, that's all you need to do is trust in him. Why? He did all the work. People say, well, I don't believe it's free. I think I have to do things. I think there's work to be done. I agree with you. There's work to be done. The good news is Jesus did it. Jesus did the work and he offers us salvation as a gift. 
All you need to do is trust him as your savior and he'll give you everlasting life. Now, we've been talking the last three weeks about the permanence of salvation, this idea of everlasting life. In other words, once you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, how long are you saved? Well, you're saved forever. According to who? According to God. Now, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe that. There's a lot of people who say, well, yeah, it's just by faith in Christ, but there's something you can do to lose your salvation once you have it. Well, the very fact of the term, and it's just one fact, but everlasting life is everlasting. It means to last forever. And so when you trust Christ, he gives you that. Now, some of the reasons we cover, and I won't cover all the ones we've done to this point because we don't have time, but salvation is permanent. In other words, once you have it, you have it forever. Salvation is permanent because Christ paid for all sin. Now, if sin keeps us out of heaven and Jesus has paid for all my sin, then what's to keep me out of heaven? Nothing. If I've trusted him and all my sin is gone, as they sang this morning, my sin is gone. I've been redeemed. If all my sin is gone, then what's going to send me to hell? Nothing. Nothing. Salvation is permanent because everlasting life is everlasting. Salvation is permanent because God promises to never lose the one who trusts in Jesus Christ, okay? Salvation is permanent because when you believe, you are in God's hands, not your own. Salvation is permanent because a believer is sealed with and by the Holy Spirit. You see, getting back to John 3.16 that we covered, by a simple understanding of John 3.16, we see that once you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved forever. That's what it says. You know what the problem is, folks? We grow up in a world of people, of humans. You might say, I don't see your point. Humans are fallible. Humans make mistakes. Humans even deceive. Humans lie. And so we get this idea that, wait a minute, can I really believe what God says? Yes. As a matter of fact, our last point today is that God cannot lie. But can you believe? You can believe. You can trust God. Man will fail you. God will never fail. As a matter of fact, in John 10, 28, it says this, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, okay? If, if this is me on a, uh, a five-year slim fast diet, okay, this is me, slim, must be nice. Anyways, um, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior, if this is Jesus Christ, he took a hold of me and I am in his hand. Not only that, but the Bible says, I'm also in the Father's hand. He says, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man. Question, are you a man? Are you a human? Yes. Okay, that would include you. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How secure am I? I am just as secure as Jesus and the Father, and by the way, the Holy Spirit, our God. I am secure. I can never be lost. And yet there are people, even theologians today and pastors who will come and say, well, no, no one can pluck you out of his hand, but you can jump out. Well, are you a human? Yeah. Well, then you can't get yourself out of Christ once you're there. Oh, you're one of those. You believe in once saved, always saved. Yes, that's biblical salvation. Hey, friend, listen to me. If you're not saved forever, you're not saved at all, at all. Well, I don't think eternal security is, is something we should argue about. 
It's to die for. Not delicious chocolate cake, as good as that is, but this issue is to die for. Eternal security is salvation. It is salvation. And number eight, salvation is permanent because a believer, one who's trusted Christ, is sealed with and by the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter one. It says this in verse 13. It says, in whom you also trusted, in whom, referring to Jesus Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, in other words, when you believed or after you believed, Notice what it says, you were sealed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, what does that mean, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit? Well, in days of old, and in biblical times, they understood this, what would happen is kings would have a signet ring a royal ring, a signet ring, all right? And what they would do is when they had a a scroll or a document that they were sending someplace, what they would do is they would get that and over the edge, as where the edge meets the scroll as it's rolled up, right on that edge there, they would pour hot wax. And on that hot wax, as it was drying, what they would do is the king would take a signet ring and he would put his mark, his seal, that it was an identifier of who it was from. Who owned it, okay? And he would put a seal there, and that document, that item was sealed. By who? By the king. And that seal was something that would not be broken until it was opened. Well, biblically speaking, we're talking about spiritually, and God says he himself, because he is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit He not only seals us, but the Bible says, as we're going to see in just a moment, he actually is the seal himself. Now, you can't break God. That sounds like kind of a, a weird statement, but it's true. You can't break God. See, this is the special ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is that seal of our salvation. Look with me to chapter four of Ephesians, and it says in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, okay? The Holy Spirit is the seal. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, listen. If he is my seal, God omnipotent one, the eternal God, if he is my seal and he is the one who seals me, the son says he'll never let anyone take me out of his hand. The father says, ditto for me. No one can take us out of the father's hand. And then we're sealed. That's why we believe once saved, always saved. That's why you can't ever be lost because God is the one who keeps you saved. This is a wonderful, wonderful truth. We are held in the son's hand enclosed by the father's hand and then sealed by and with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He is the one who keeps us sealed. We are not the ones who keep us sealed. And we are sealed until the day of redemption. You know what that means, friends? Until the day you go home to heaven. Now listen, think about that. If I am sealed by and with the Holy Spirit until the day I go home to heaven, that means I can never be lost. Because my entire life, once I've trusted Christ, I'm sealed. God is the one who sealed me. He's the one who keeps me. 
Therefore, how can I ever be lost? If you can be lost, you're saying that you can break the seal. You're saying that you can break God. Can you break God? No, you can't. As a matter of fact, that would be one of the dumbest things a person could ever think. And yet there's so much theology that believes exactly that. Let's move on. Number nine, salvation is permanent because when you trust Christ, you become part of what the Bible calls the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, turn there with me. The Bible likens the body of Christ, the church, okay? When I say church, I'm not talking about a building and I'm not talking about a denomination. The body of Christ, all the believers who make up worldwide, who make up the body of Christ, When you trust Christ as Savior, you become part of the body of Christ. Now, the Bible tells us that once we've trusted Christ, we all become part of the body of Christ, and the picture is given in Scripture of different parts of the body. In other words, like somebody may be an ear, or somebody may be an arm or a leg, okay? Some people, there's no question, they're mouths, okay? That's what they are. By the way, God gave us two ears, two eyes, and how many mouths? One mouth. So let's keep it in mind, okay? But here's the point. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, just like your body, made up of many members, many parts, right? So also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. When we believe in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. The word baptized means to be immersed to be washed, okay? We are put into, it's just like in the Bible, the same Greek word, baptizo, is actually used of washing cups and plates and uh, eating instruments, okay? It's like taking those, those of you who still wash dishes by hand, it's like taking them and putting them in the dishwater, immersing them in. When we trust Christ, we are put into the body of Christ, and we become body parts of the body, such as eyes and ears, etc. First Corinthians chapter 12, we won't read it, but verses 12 through 16, it's a whole long section. Now listen, if you believe you can lose your salvation, you're saying that the body parts come and go. Now think about that for a moment. See, the thought of parts coming and going is inconceivable. Can you imagine you get up one day and you look in the mirror and you're missing an ear? Where'd my ear go? Okay, I didn't go to a bad barber. That's not why it's missing. Where'd my ear go today? Or you look and you're missing both eyes. You've got your face, but there's no eyes there. Might say that would be weird. Well, it would be even weirder if you could see that. (laughs) I better keep moving. My illustration's breaking down here. Anyway, um, listen, folks. We're all body parts. You show up one day and there you are and you're hopping around. You've got one leg. What happened to your other leg? Oh, misbehaved. No longer part of the body, it misbehaved. You might say, well, that's dumb. It's just as dumb to believe you can lose your salvation. Because when you got saved, you became a body part in the church. Okay, in the, the body of Christ. And if you can be lost, that means you cease to be a body part. No, friend, we're body parts. The moment we trust Christ, we're part of the body. 
were eyes, were ears, etc., legs, fingers, toes, and so on. Let's move on. Number 10, salvation is permanent because eternal salvation, this is huge, eternal salvation is a gift, not a reward. Say it again. Salvation is permanent because eternal salvation is a gift, not a reward. Our salvation does not depend on our performance, unlike every single other religion in the world. Every single religion believes getting to nirvana, heaven, paradise, etc., is based on how you live your life. It's based on whether you do good things or whether you do bad things. That's what it's all based on. Even so many so-called Christian religions, it's no different. It's no different. They're based on works. You have to be good. Oh yeah, what Jesus did on the cross, that's important, but that's not all of it. You also have to be good. You have to go to church. You have to get baptized. You have to give money. You have to keep the commandments. You have to keep the ordinances. You have to keep the sacraments. On and on and on. That would be, if you got to heaven by that, you would be getting there and that would be a reward. A reward for faithfulness. That's not salvation. The Bible says salvation is a gift. Gifts are free. All you need to do is receive it. See, Jesus paid the price for that gift. The Bible is clear. Salvation is a gift. Let me again state the obvious. A gift is not a gift if it has to be earned. A gift is not a gift if it has to be earned. Look with me to Romans chapter 6. God could not put it in clearer terms than this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the word of contrast, the gift of God, the gift of God. What is the gift of God? It's eternal life. How do I get it? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages of sin, look up here, the wages of sin is death, yes. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All you need to do is receive it by faith. All you need to do is trust the Lord to give you that gift, and he will save you forever the moment you do. The moment you do. What if I go out and sin after I've trusted Christ? Well, we shouldn't do that, but by the way, you will do that. You will do that. Well, am I still saved? Yes, why? Because it's not based on your faithfulness. It's a gift. It's getting to heaven's not a reward. See, if you could lose it, then how do you keep it? By behaving. Well, then you would be earning it then. That's not a gift. Gifts are free. You just receive the gift. Just like at Christmas time, you receive gifts. If somebody was to give you a beautiful Christmas gift and say, here, this is for you. I love you. Here's this wonderful gift. And you say, oh, thank you. And then they say, now here's what you need to do to keep it. You need to mow my yard. You need to do all my snow blowing. You need to paint my house. You need to wash my car. You know what you would do? You would say, that's not a gift. It's a contract. You know, there's a lot of preachers who are preaching that salvation is a contract, a bilateral contract. God does his part, I do my part. And as long as we are faithful, this thing is gonna work out. No, friends, here's salvation. God did his part, which was all of it. All he asks you is simply trust in him that he did that for you. And he says, I will give you the gift of eternal life. Let me show you another one on this. Ephesians chapter two. Now keep in mind what we said, what we covered at the beginning. We're dealing with eternal issues. 
So what you do with this is going to have an effect on your forever. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved, through faith saved. Saved from what? Hell? Hell? For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? In Jesus Christ and what he did for you. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You're not saved of yourselves. It is the gift of God, salvation is. Salvation is the gift of God, verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. By the way, we don't have time to cover it, but you can write down Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 18, where it says over and over, it is a gift, it is a free gift, it is a gift, it is a free gift. You might say, well, aren't all gifts free? Yes, but man can't get that through his head. So we can see if we are not saved by our good works, and the Bible could not be clear that we're not saved by good works, then whether we live faithfully or not has no bearing on whether we will go to heaven or not. If my works can't save me, then the way I live is not going to determine where I go when I die because my works can't save me. Yes, of course, once we're saved, yes, we ought to be faithful, that's true. But that is not the issue in salvation. Salvation is an issue of God's faithfulness, not our faithfulness. If you believe you must live a faithful life to go to heaven, then you are trusting in the way you live to get you to heaven. That's where your faith is, in your performance. If you are depending on being faithful to go to heaven, then you are trusting in your faithfulness for your salvation. If you are struggling to hang on, then you do not understand salvation is a gift. Because you're saying, I have to hang on to make it. So what are you trusting in? You're hanging on to get you there. That's what you're doing. Friend, salvation is when you understand, I can't lift one little finger to save myself. Jesus did all the work. All I need to do is trust in him. He does the saving. He does the keeping. What a wonderful truth that is. See, salvation is not something we achieve. Salvation is something we receive. It's a gift. Look with me back to John chapter 3. I'd say, well, this is, uh, this is not the way I was raised. You know, I am amazed the blindness that we see in the world today. You can show a person these verses one after another, after another, after another, and they can, they can say, oh, I understand it. Is this what the Bible says? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. I understand it. Well, then will you trust Christ? No, it's contrary to what my church has always taught me. You know, I was raised, you fill in the blank. I was born blank. I've lived my life as a blank, and I'm going to die as a blank. Friend, you're putting your faith in a man-made religion. You're not putting your faith in the word of God. John chapter three and verse 18. Here's what Jesus Christ, by the way, Jesus Christ, hmm, Christianity, hmm. I wonder where the name Christianity came from. It's based on Jesus Christ. Here's what he says about the issue. Look at verse 18. He's speaking about himself. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, if God says we're already condemned, then the way I live my life does not have a bearing on whether I'm going to make it to heaven or not, because I'm already condemned. See, God can say, you're already lost. You're already 
condemned. You're already guilty. Wait a minute, Lord, I haven't lived my whole life yet. Doesn't matter. You're already condemned. Well, therefore, it's not based on how you live. It's based on, according to what Jesus said here, whether you believe, trust in him or not. Do you see that? I hope you see it. Why would a person already be condemned? Because he has not believed. So until a person believes or trusts in Jesus Christ, the Savior, God says they're under condemnation. John chapter 3, verse 36. John chapter 5, verse 24. Goes on and on. Let's move on. Number 11. Salvation is permanent because it is God who keeps us saved. I love this one. You might say, well, haven't we already seen that? Yeah, but let's look at another angle of this. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. A few weeks ago, my wife and I went down to a wedding. One of our young men who, who graduated from our school, Mark Steffes, married his lovely bride, Erin, and uh, we had the privilege not only to go down, I had the privilege to be part of that wedding. And so what, we, what did we do? Well, we weren't going to sleep on the street, so we decided to make reservations. We made reservations at the Holiday Inn Express, all right? And so we made the reservations. That was all done. We pulled in. We went to the front, front desk. Yes, sir, may I help you? And I said, yes, reservations for Thomas and Suzanne Kukuza, okay? Reservations. And you know what he did? And I'm glad it worked. He looked, yes, sir, here you go. Reservations. I made reservations ahead of time, and those things, Holiday Inn took care of making those. We requested them, we looked to them to take care of it, and they took care of it. Now, I know that can break down because sometimes, and I think some of us have probably experienced that, I have reservations. No, you're nowhere listed here. It's like, It's not going to happen in heaven. God is never incompetent. 1 Peter 1, 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who's the you? Who are kept by the power of God through faith, faith in Christ, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You notice we have reservations because God is the one who keeps us saved. We are kept by the power of God. Well, how did that happen? Through faith in Christ. And so I have reservations. We have reservations. See, here's the truth of it. The truth is people have more trust in Holiday Inn than they do in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll trust a phone call or an internet reservation. They'll put more faith in that than they will Jesus Christ, that he'll save them from hell to heaven. They will live their entire lives Many times people in fear that they do not have reservations in heaven, even though God has promised them over and over that if they would simply trust in Jesus Christ the Savior, they have reservations made by God in heaven. You've got it. It's all yours. By the way, all these things go together. It's a marvelous thing. See, there is no greater power in the universe than God, and it is he himself who keeps us Saved. We are kept by the power of God. We need to trust him and believe what he says about our eternal home. Let me give you one last reason. And by the way, this, these 12 have not been exhaustive. There are more. But let me give you one last reason why salvation is permanent. 
Salvation is permanent because God cannot lie. This is huge. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Now you notice what it says here. Titus 1 verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Now, I'm going to misread the verse. We'll see if you catch it. In hope of eternal life, which God, who decided not to lie, promised before the world began. Does it say that? It doesn't say that. In hope of eternal life, which God, who chose not to lie, promised before the world began. No, it doesn't say that. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, they got a smug look on their face? I'll get these Christians. Is God all powerful? Yes, God's all powerful. Can God do everything? Trying to set you up. They freak out if you say no. What do you mean no? You said God's all powerful. He is. But you just said God can't do everything. That's true. What do you mean? Well, God can't do everything. Like be so stupid as to create a rock that he cannot pick up. Because that's usually what comes out. God cannot sin. Lying is a sin. God cannot lie. God cannot do anything contrary to his nature. So no, God cannot do everything. But he is all powerful. I'll tell you something he can do. He could pay for your sin. And he did that because he loves you. He can save you forever if you'll trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. See, if the Lord said that you have everlasting life when you trust in him as Savior, is that true or not? God cannot lie, thus it must be true. If God can't lie and he said it so, that settles it. Years ago, there's a song, God said it, I believe it, that settles it for me. No, 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 no. It sounds nice. But it's this way. God said it, that settles it. I believe it. Because whether we believe it or not doesn't make it true. Whether we believe it or not has to do with what are going to be the results for me. God promises eternal life, and we know that he promises it to those who believe. Here's the question today. Do you believe God who is infallible, or will you only believe man who is fallible and prone to? to error. One more passage, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, it says in verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. If we receive the witness of men. What does that mean? If you believe man, you can certainly believe God is what it's saying. Man who can lie, who can deceive, who can fool you, who can trick you. Are you going to believe him? And by the way, who can make mistakes? Are you going to believe him or are you going to believe God who can't make a mistake, who can't lie, who always tells the truth in everything he says? Who are you going to believe? I say the witness of men, that's unusual. Here's an example of that. I worked my way through Bible college working at public supermarket. And occasionally there at Publix, somebody would come in. Now I just happened to do, uh, I did bagging. And then when we couldn't take tips anymore, I became a stockman. But anyways, I would stock shelves. And you had stock cans, and so you put cans up and all that. Well, let's say you're stocking the canned vegetable aisle, and here's a can, and it says, you know, canned peas or canned corn or whatever. And so there you, you have that, and somebody, what do you do? You go buy in your card, and you look at it, and I want some canned corn today. 
Uh, oh, there it is. I see it. You know, label, there's a picture of the bowl and it's got corn in it, you know, and maybe the green giant stepping in it or something like that. But anyways, that's what you buy. That, that's, you put it in your cart, you go to the register. Some of you kids will get a kick out of this. When I worked in the grocery store, they didn't have scanners. The way you got prices on items is you had a stamper, it was called. It was a mechanical thing, and it would have ink on it. You would turn the wheels, the rubber wheels on there to where it was the price you wanted. You had to be able to be dyslexic and see it backwards, and um, that's a joke. But anyways... um, Anyways, you would, you, you'd see it on there, and then you get it set up, and then you'd just have all the cans there, and you go, how many of you remember that? Yeah, no young people raise their hands. <laughs> Anyways, but we would do all that. I, I got off track. But so here's the can, put it in there, you go, you go to the register, and the register was, they would have to do it with their fingers and ring it up, they'd have to punch the keys. No scanners. Can you imagine? When I saw the scanners, I said, I'm retiring. (laughs) So anyways, you get home. The lady, in good conscience, she bought canned corn. She gets home. She opens it up. And this doesn't happen very often, but it did happen from time to time. And I saw it with my own eyes. There are peas in the can. I'd say, what happened? I don't know. It got in the wrong conveyor or something or the wrong label got put on. But what happened? You received the witness of men and it wasn't true. It wasn't true. A man made a mistake somewhere along the line. Something happened and yet you were totally convinced that it was true. Listen, you can receive what God says. He cannot make a mistake. He cannot lie. 1 John 5 verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. You're telling God you are a liar. Why? Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. You may be here today. Can I just do this, friend? I'm bringing you to a decision today. I make no apologies for that. You have to decide today what you are going to do with Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with him? He's God in the flesh who went and paid for your sins on the cross. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way you get to heaven. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to call him a liar? Well, I don't want to believe, but I'm not going to call him a liar. No, if you don't believe, according to 1 John 5, you are calling him a liar. You're saying, I don't believe you. You're not telling me the truth. He is the truth. He's the way. He's the life. Look at verse 13. Because God is trustworthy, because he's God who cannot make a mistake, because he's God who does what he says and says what he does, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus God who is our Savior. Look what it says, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know you have eternal life. You can know you're going to heaven because God says if you trust in his Son, you can know it, you have it because he said it and he does it. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to say, I don't believe that? Friend, God doesn't make mistakes. God is in control of eternity. You need to believe what he says on this. 
Because if you don't, you'll end up lost forever if you die in that condition. Trust Christ, would you? When we put our faith in Christ, we're saved forever. We are safe and secure for all eternity. This is God's way of salvation, and this is his promise to me and you. He's offering us today a love gift of eternal life. He paid the price. All you need to do is receive it. As I said at the beginning about what I thought the night I trusted Christ, if this is true, I'd have to be a fool to turn it down. Goes for all of us. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.